Bible Treasures Topic 1 Repentance Welcome to the Sound Doctrine Telecast. Praise God for all the corrective teaching we received through this series of talks. During the last six weeks we are studying the subject of repentance. Repentance is perhaps the most basic doctrine of Christ. Even so, it is not so much stressed or preached from the pulpits. Occasionally the word repentance is mentioned, but it is not properly and sufficiently explained. Among the people, the word repentance is grossly misunderstood. That is why the topic that we are considering is how not to repent. So far we have done six lessons. Lesson number one. Do not repent just to escape judgment. Number two. Do not depend on religious activities. Lesson number three. Do not isolate repentance from faith and works. Lesson number four. Do not be vague in your sin confession. Lesson number five. Do not compare yourself with others. And last week we studied lesson number six. How not to repent. Do not differentiate between sins. Today we will move on to lesson number seven. How not to repent. Do not slight the sins of omission. Do not slight the sins of omission. Sins can be broadly classified into two sections. One, sins of commission. The other one, sins of omission. Doing what we should not do and not doing what we should do the world looks primarily at the sins of commission very seriously. It neglects and it ignores the sins of omission. But God treats both these sins alike. In the sight of God, sins of commission as well as the sins of omission are just the same. And while we are talking about sin confession, we occupy ourselves very much with the sins of commission only. Our church fathers had a different perspective which is more biblical. Now for example, if you take the common book of prayer which is used in the Anglican church, it's a general sin confession. This is how it begins. We did not what we ought to, but we did what we ought not. In other words, they start with the sins of omission and then they moved on to the sins of commission. I believe that is the right understanding and that is the right perspective of biblical repentance. Turn with us with the, to the book of Matthew, 25th chapter. Now here, lots of things are mentioned as to what will happen on the last days. King will divide the people one to the left and the other to the right. 
Those who are turned to sin to the right, they will inherit eternal life with God. And those who are turned to the left, they will inherit only eternal fire. See what the king would say to those who have gone to the left. Matthew 25 from verse 41 onwards. Then the king will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Because I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Now this list very clearly says they were condemned for the sins of omission. You did not do it. You did not do it. You did not do it. Look at verse 45. Then he would answer them saying, I surely say to you, in as much as you did not do it, you know, theirs were the sins of omission. That was the primary cause of being sent away to eternal fire. We are all very familiar with the story of Lazarus and the rich man. What was the primary sin of the rich man? It was not a sin of commission, but rather it was a sin of omission. For example, Lazarus was lying at his gate. The rich man did not build even an outer house for him. And we know that Lazarus was looking forward to the crumbs that will fall down from this rich man's table. That means the rich man did not feed Lazarus. And we read that dogs came and licked the source of Lazarus. Which means the rich man did not give Lazarus whatever medical help was necessary. Humorously, most important of all, the rich man did not tie his dog. Now, why did he go to hell? He did not commit adultery. He did not murder anybody. He did not steal another man's property. He went to hell not for what he did, but what he did not. Beloved, if we also are over-occupied with the sins of commission only, I would say that it is a return to the Old Testament religion. For example, the Ten Commandments. You can read them in the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus. And if you very carefully read all the Ten Commandments, you will notice eight out of the Ten Commandments say, Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Only two which do not say thou shalt not. One is relating to Sabbath, and the other one is relating to the honor that is due to our parents. And even in the commandment referring to Sabbath, there also it says, Thou shalt not work. And you know what happens when we are occupied too much with this not, 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 N-O-T, 
ultimately these NOTS knots will become knots, K-N-O-T-S. Turn with us to book of Colossians where there is actually a rebuke on that kind of religion. Second chapter, we'll read from verse 20 on to verse 22. If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations, do not touch, do not taste and do not handle? Now this is all a religion of man. Don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. That's what the Bible says in this passage. They are all the commandments and doctrines of men. You know, actually the Pharisees of Jesus' time, they were obeying all the commandments, especially the nine commandments of the ten commandments. And only one thing they found it difficult, that was honoring the parents. Even for that, they invented a substitute and called that as Korban. That is why, beloved, if you read through the Old Testament message of the prophets, you find again and again, the call was for repentance and mainly from the sins of omission. Take, for example, the call of Prophet Daniel unto King Nebuchadnezzar. Book of Daniel, 4th chapter. We'll read to you verse 27. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be accepted to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. So what is that, the iniquity that he should break off? The prophet is calling the king to do. He says you start showing mercy to the poor people. That means you have been grossly neglecting your duty to the poor. Now you begin to show mercy to the poor. That way your iniquity will be broken off. That was the same thing that prophet Isaiah also gave a call to people. Book of Isaiah first chapter. We'll read verses 17 and 18. Learn to do good. In the previous words he says, cease to do evil. What is the good thing that you are supposed to be doing? Seek justice. Reprove the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead for the widow. You see, essentially the call was to repent from the sins of omission. Now, this prophet was speaking about this fast that God has really chosen and is pleased with. Turn with us to book of Isaiah 58th chapter. And we'll read to you verses 6 and 7. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? Number one, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? And when you see the naked, that you cover him. You see, all these things, God says, only when you do that, that is an acceptable fasting before me. 
That is why John the Baptist, who was perhaps the last of the Old Testament prophets, his message was concentrating on the sins of omission. For example, when people asked him, what should we do? What he immediately tell them? If you got two dresses, give one to the one who has none. If you got more food than what you can consume, just share it with somebody who is really hungry. Beloved, holiness in the sight of God has got these two sides. One side of holiness is you love good. And the other one is hate evil. If you fail in that first aspect of loving that which is good, it will invariably lead you to sins of omission. If you fail in that area of hating evil, that will invariably lead you to sins of commission. You know, how did Jesus Christ balance this in his earthly life? Turn with us to the book of Hebrews. There is a beautiful testimony about him. Hebrews first chapter. We'll read the ninth verse to you. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. First thing is positive that speaks about the sins of omission and the second one is negative that speaks about the sins of commission. We have the balance of Christian life. Do what is good. Don't do what is evil. We should not separate this one from the other. All over Christendom, there is a great imbalance in this area. If you turn to several passages in the Old Testament, you find these two always go together. Look at some sample verses. Psalm 34th chapter. Look at the 14th words. Depart from evil and do good. You know, these are balanced here. Both go together. That's why I said that these two are the two sides of biblical holiness. Now turn with us to the book of Psalms 37th chapter. And look at the 27th words. Depart from evil and do good. So beloved, today maybe we can just think of areas where we have failed in the matter of doing good and guilty of the sins of omission. Then comes a question. When you talk about these good deeds, is it not talking about salvation by works? No, beloved, there is a correction that is necessary. We are not saved by works, but we are saved for works. We are not saved by works, but we are saved for works. Now, both these things are beautifully brought together by Apostle Paul in his um, epistle to the Ephesians. Book of Ephesians, 2nd chapter. We'll read verses 9 and 10. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. 
So we are not saved by works, but we are saved for works. When we repent from the sins of commission, that perhaps we can call a step number one in holiness. And we should not stop there. We should also repent from the sins of omission. Only then we are completing and we are perfecting our holiness. That is why the Bible says, He who is holy, let him become holier still. Then there may be a question, is it not a social gospel? Beloved, we want to tell you there is nothing called social gospel and there is nothing called spiritual gospel. There is only one gospel. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has got two sides. It has got two dimensions. One is spiritual and the other one is social. Now both the needs of man, that is the spiritual needs as well as the social needs are met in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we leave out one aspect or one dimension, it becomes like half-baked bread. Or it is like a bird which has lots one of its wings. Beloved, in this area, God wants us to come back to the biblical balance. Sins of omission in the sight of God are as serious as the sins of commission. All these years, whenever we knelt down before God to confess our sins, we only thought about sins of commission. Now maybe we can progress or we can go one step higher in our walk of holiness. You can take a piece of paper and write down what are the things that you ought to have done but you have not done. And just look at them just like God looks at them. And confess them honestly before God. It is relating to the sins of omission. Isaiah said, Though your sins may be as scarlet, they shall become white as snow. Beloved, most of the biblical promises of cleansing and forgiveness have to do with the sins of omission. How not to repent? Do not slight the sins of omission. Shall we pray? Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for convicting us today through your word how the sins of omission are as serious as the sins of commission in your sight. Help us for God to look at our sins as you look at them. And thank you Lord, there is so much of cleansing, complete cleansing, thorough cleansing in the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this lesson again. We give you all glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.